right. Thank you, Brother Les, and thank you, um, everybody, for your faithfulness in giving. It's, it's a Father's Day. You give you a Father's Day gift. <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> we're going to look today at a very familiar passage, and we're simply going to see uh, defining of the terms that Jesus used at a very crucial moment in his ministry. Uh, we are going to be looking at John chapter 14, and uh, that's going to be the verse that is on this uh, uh, teaching sheet that is being distributed. It is also ready for you online if you've not already accessed that. Um, before we read this passage, that's John 14, verses 1 through 3, I want to um, remind you of the fact that throughout Jesus' ministry, he spent a great portion of it depicting the fact that he was about his father's business. And um, he also, when he taught his disciples to pray, began that prayer with uh, the description of our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, the concept of fatherhood was really not so much a part of the culture in that point spiritually. And for Jesus as the Son of God to be coming here to talk about people knowing the Father was really somewhat of a revolutionary concept. And uh, that's putting it mildly. And so, in John 14, we are, those of you who have studied the scripture and you're familiar with the Gospel of John, you recognize that what is immediately coming then was an extended time where Jesus was talking about the Father, talking about the, found, the foundation of the world, talking about the glory that God intended for people to know with him. And Jesus continually was speaking to his father about that. Right here, or immediately preceding John 14, was Peter stating, um, you know, no matter what comes, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus said, you can look for it at yourself. Before the, the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. And so then, uh, immediately then, following that, statement. John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also." Let's begin by talking about what perhaps Jesus meant when he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Um, as I said, he knew that what was coming immediately in the sequence of events was going to be a very shaking moment. In fact, he had just addressed Peter about Peter's statement that he was going to stand for the Lord no matter what. And... Um, uh, so it was, it was a time that any time there is a, a, a spiritual visitation of any type, I mean a real crux point challenge, 
um, to go on with God, to break through. There's always that tenuousness where people get antsy. The anointing comes for the breakthrough, and if, if you're not focused on following the Lord, you're liable to do anything. That's just the way it is. We've talked about fasting when God's about to do something uh, where he's going to release the new wine or equip us with the new garments. Remember, we've warned people over the years, at that moment, you better watch yourself because you can go forward in the Lord or you can go off rails. You can wheels off and veer off some other way. I, we used to warn people, you remember, and you listened. You know, we're about to enter into fast. When we go into fast, we usually lose people. So hold on. Don't, don't give place to carnal desires or to offenses or anything of that nature. Break through in the Lord. Offer the fast. And so just as a general principle of things spiritual, when there is a, a unique moment where God is about to do something new, we really need to guard ourselves because that momentum, that explosive power, if it's, if it's not focused with a heart that is dedicated to God, with the steering wheel of your life is set to move forward with the Lord, you could, you could end up in a ditch or over the cliff, and, and that, that's just a spiritual principle. So here at the beginning of this thing, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Now, you can study this word. You have the fancy Bible programs just like I do. Troubled is the stirring of the waters. Troubled, terrasso, is, is something that is a mobilization to do something. And, and so that word, Jesus says at the beginning of this, something amazing is going to happen. Peter, you better guard yourself. Don't let your heart, the steering wheel of your life, misinterpret what's going on. Yes, there, there is a change. Yes, there's, there's the dynamic of all of history. Oh, man, you talk about a tidal wave, a breakthrough. Uh, going into the time of the cross, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Jesus had to deal with those influences when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. Read that study. Read what he said. Look carefully at those words. You had times where Jesus, the Bible says this, maybe not in the King James, but the Bible says it. Your Bible says this. He was so overwhelmed with what he sensed when he entered that garden that he fell on his face because he was just, uh, he was just being uh, influenced from all sides, and the enemy did not want him moving forward. And, and so Jesus says here, really carefully, don't let that compass point of what you've devoted yourself to be, be very careful with the stirring of the waters. Don't overreact. Don't, don't lose your focus. Don't mobilize from some knee-jerk reaction. Let not your heart be troubled. And you see, some of you thought that was only a phrase that Sean Hannity used. But it was here first with Jesus. And this is the main one, much more than uh, Hannity would be. Some of you don't even know who he is. You're probably better off. Let, your heart, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let, don't let yourself 
in the midst of a moment, and this was the moment of all moments, don't lose focus. Stay focused. Believe in God. Believe that he has brought you to the, this point, and believe in what I am, who I am, and what I am about to do. So then he says this, in my father's house are many mansions. Oh my goodness, has this been southern gospelized? I've got a mansion well glory just over the hilltop. Have you heard that one? I mean, there's so many of these where, you know, poor pit, poor, poor, underscore poor, pitiful Christians just scraping by, believing hand to mouth, God's provision, and God always provides. Well, we can look forward because there are streets of gold and some big mansion that God is. He's up there with the angels. They're not doing anything now because Jesus is sitting at the right hand. He's already finished his work. So his main job is to be a contractor and build every one of you something that is extraordinary, huge. I don't know how many rooms, how many, well, you won't need bathrooms up there. So how many rooms, how many swimming pools, how many pools of Bethesda on your property? Mansions. In my Father's house are many mansions. Well, let's talk about this. House there is, you can look at it, oikia. It's probably where ikea comes from. And this is a singular structure. Oikos means possessions and all the, the net worth of a particular property, the furnishings and everything. But Oikia is something that is made for you, but it's up to you then to do something with it. So in my father's house, so the father's house is something that he's expecting for you to do something with. It's, many, it's your choice. Are you going to, you know, it's funny how people with their houses are. You know, some people, their house is just pristine. Other people, they're hoarders. Sometimes people um, just, man, you walk into their house and it is, it, it, wow, it's like a museum. I, I, the, the gardens are manicured and, you know, everything is just wonderful. It's just nice. Other people's, you walk through and you think, wow. Did somebody rob this place? I mean, and I'm not, I'm not making a judgment on one house or another. It's certainly not on mine. But, um, you know, with the Father, it's up to you to do something with what he's providing. So in my Father's house are many mansions. Let's talk about mansions, okay? This is a word that should be familiar to all of you. This is mone. It comes from meno. It's a personal position. It's endurance. It is, indicates the firmness of a pillar, a commitment with contentment to continue to remain in force, to be focused, transitional segments within a concerted direction. In other words, as you're moving along, 
you you keep your focus because you know, okay, God's doing something new. Well, I know what my responsibility is. I'm going to be faithful with it. I'm going to abide in it because that's another way this word is translated. The, the wonderful, holy, abiding. We stop and we position and we are faithful where God's planted us. We stand, we wait. It also indicates the security of a relationship between Jesus and his Father, between Jesus and the believer. One of our favorite words translated as patience to remain under is hupomeno. So mansion here is not necessarily some extravagant, opulent, Beverly Hillbillies, Beverly Hills kind of a place. It's really speaking about what God has called you to be, where he's called you to be. You abide there. You're faithful there. And in the midst of that, you bring into the Father's house the things that you are supposed to do to populate that place and to bless that place. You're about your Father's business. Now, why is it translated as a mansion here? Well, let's think back to some of you weren't born just yet. Um, 16 or late 1500s, 1600s. You know, then, like in Europe and in in England, um, people people lived in a very different society. So many of them didn't own their own property. They didn't own anything, really. They, they were serfs. They, there was a lord somewhere or a manse, and very often they served on that guy's estate. And um, the concept of kings and dukes and uh, those in the gentry the, the hierarchical gentry, um, was really the rule of the day. It just, it just was. And so when these guys translating, whether it was the English Bible or Wycliffe or the Geneva Bible or whoever, whoever was bringing forth the first word of mansion, it was really speaking about the fact that, hey, you're going to have something of your own. You're, you're going to have something of your own. You're not just going to be reliant on everybody else. And so this word, which we know from our studies, which means to abide, it means all these things we just said, you can look them up for yourself, uh, was, was really a unique thing, to have something of your own, to have, to be, to be, to have the, it wasn't really a democratic society at all. You had no prospect of moving forward unless war came or you had some exceptional skill. But even then you were serving somebody else unless you were one of the elite few that was in, um, in, in rulership. That's just the way it was. That's just the way it was. So I use this term mansion, I think, more from the standpoint of saying, you know, you're not, you, you, in my father's house, um, you're not going to be reliant on everybody else. You're going to have something that is specifically for you that the Father wants you to abide in, that the Father wants you to be faithful in, 
that the Father wants you to take responsibility for, and what you do with it is bef- between you and him. You can either ignore it or you can bypass it, but hopefully you will embrace it and you will operate therein, abiding to bear fruit and to do it with patience in communication with your Father in this overall business or structure that he has ready, but you have the responsibility before him. He's given it to you to populate that place and to bring prospering, you know, bring, bring your treasures, bring your fruits. That's uh, what the, the, the Bible talks about, that we, we do these things for our Father. We're about our Father's business. It's the fa- his, him, his family that is extended to you. So mansions here does not, unless you think abiding is a 50-bedroom estate somewhere, if you think that's what abiding is, or if you think patience is uh, languishing out by uh, a 15-acre pool with a mint julep beside you, if that's what patience is, well, then go ahead and think that that's the interpretation of mansion. But it really does speak about God has positioned you someplace. Be faithful there. Where you stand, stand. Be patient there. First sign of any apostolic venture. You, you be that. So in my Father's house, this is what I'm, I've come to do. Uh, this is what I've come to make possible for you, that you would know the Father, that you would enter into the family business, and that you would embrace what it is that he has called you to be where he's called you to be, and so be faithful in that. And he says, just in case they were wondering, if it were not so, I would have told you. What's that mean? We, we preached a number of years ago, and I remember the first time preaching about this because we had a lady here named Ida May, and this, uh, she's gone on to be with the Lord, but... Um, a deme is what this was. It could be translated as otherwise. If there was something other than that, that, that would have been my teaching. That's really what he's saying. I want you to get this very clear. Something is going to happen here. Don't overreact. Keep your heart set. Because my father has a, a large expanse throughout eternity and throughout his creation that he made, that he's inviting you into to serve within that and to be a joint heir with me. And in that place, there are many points of abiding. There are many points of being a pillar. There are many points of standing in your particular gap. And these locations are specifically assigned for you. And if there was any other thing that I was sent here to do, I would have taught that. But there isn't. And so then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. That's interesting. Topos, place. It can denote a geographical region, a building structure, a room within a building, a a literary passage. That's interesting. Extended senses include topics, occasions, opportunities. Um, Topic comes from topos, so meaning and understandings. 
Uh, it, it can be a development of making things clear, plain. Atopos means out of place. With, without topos means out of place or unusual, strange, disgusting. So I go to, to clarify how you're going to serve in this and make possible for you. Uh, what I'm going to do is going to make possible your ability to stand in accordance with the Father's business in knowing the Father. What a wonderful thing. And what was he going to go do? He was going to go offer himself as a perfect sacrifice. He was going to shed his blood, his body. He was going to uh, die on a cross so that you could have uh, the capacity to take that cross on behalf of the Father and lay claim to the histeme of whatever it is in that place that God prepared for you that you're supposed to abide, you've got a sense of ownership. Plus, that cross is that green tree, which is only used in one other way, and that's the tree of life. So I'm going to make this topic possible for you. I go to empower you, to make a way for this to be. I could just teach on this, but without my sacrifice and without that strategic uh, offering on the cross, no matter how wonderful the Father's intent would be or what he's laid out in his house for you to manos, without what I'm going to do, this wouldn't be possible. So I'm going to prepare I'm going to make a way for this to be done. I think that's glorious. This is what Jesus is saying here. So, yes, he's going to bless us. Yes, heaven is a wonderful place. But I can tell you again, um, <laughs> there's no real need for gold up there. There's no need in, in the sense of monetary value. What are you going to buy? I mean, it's all there. <laughs> Um, so we, we kind of, we equate heaven with some earthly viewpoint, but heaven is all about the Father and the Son and us being sons and moving on behalf of whatever the Father is, is wanting. And so then Jesus says, um, I, I, I'm going to come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. That's talking about the end of all things, but it's also talking about um, after he's ascended into heaven, he takes the little book, he's back down with his disciples, he's teaching them, talking to them before the ascension. And, and, and really, what he is with us every day, he never leaves us or forsakes us. We know all these things. But this passage here, is really such an exceptional description of what you and I have been living as saints, what we're trying to do for the Father. Every one of us has an abiding place. Every one of us has a unique responsibility. Every one of us has a unique placement. Um, we, we are that kind of, of son before our Father. We're part of the Father's business and I, I just think that's so interesting. The oikia is, says that it needs to be filled, which I think, 
IKEA in the Scandinavian languages probably means, hey, you got this big house, now you need to fill it. So you go there and you buy stuff that only Nathan can put together. And um, um, I think we still have a piece of something that Debbie got at IKEA. We still don't have it put together right. You know, I've hammered on that thing, I've banged on it. It, it just doesn't come together. I don't know what it is. Um, but anyway, that's why you have to be uh, Eagle Scouts to be real, a real Scandinavian so that you can do those kinds of things. But I think that's interesting that Oikia here speaks about a, a, a wonderful place, but it begs for development. And that's so wonderful of our Father, our Father's house. So, Jesus says, I am the way, the path, the direction, the pattern, the truth, something that is always discovering a measure that to that point had been hidden but that the Father wants to reveal, and the life. I am the one that through, through the way and through partnering to discover brings creativity and brings vibrancy and brings the newness of what God wants. No one comes to the Father except by me, by my sacrifice, but also no one really comes into the real relationship with the Father unless you are following his example. So all these things make sense to us. If I preached this at First Church down the road, they would probably think I was nuts. But this is really what Jesus was saying, and it's what you have been living, and it's what we are to be partnering with our Father to do and to see. See, for instance, and I'm going to finish here in just a minute because I know it's Father's Day. Um, like when we go into another place that we know God has called us to go. Um, our objective when we go there is not to build our kingdom, but to tell the people how they can know the Father, put the tools, spiritual tools from the Scripture in their hand so that they can begin to establish his kingdom where they are and that they then can find that place that God has commissioned them to fulfill. And with the tools that God has given to us, how many they may be, in the understanding of the Scripture and what it means to be sons and making disciples, it's, it's for us to equip them to fill the Father's house in, from the place that they have been assigned to abide in. And so that's, that's just interesting. That's, that's a continuing mission of the saints. But it's all about Jesus, what he did for us to make possible our being redeemed to the Father, to know the Father, to recognize that he has his, his business, which Jesus called it a business, um, to find our place in it, to do our work for him, with him, on behalf of him. And then as we've done that, we, uh, we have to make disciples. We have to lead other people to that place. And one thing that, for instance, Brazil, we just got back from there, one thing that we said over and over again to these pastors, and, and they, they still had a hard time understanding this, 
Uh, and I, I reiterated it over and over again, and all of our team and all of you would say the same thing. We don't want anything from you. We're not asking for anything from you. We're, we're, not, we're not coming down here to add you to our list or to ask you to contribute to anything. All we want is to give what God has given us in this way and to encourage you to be this. That's all we want. Now, that sounds altruistic, doesn't it? But it really is true. I mean, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give we you. Uh, of course, we did have to have some silver and gold to pay for all those things that we did down there, but we paid for it. Um, and, and again, I'm just talking about this to you. This is your mission. This is our mission. We, we need to work for the night comes. But here is what Jesus said he was doing. He said, look, my father, and I say this and I end, my father has created a vast array of wonderful opportunities for you. But he is reliant upon you coming into your place to fill that house. And you each will have an assignment. You're born again. If you believe, accept me. You have the power of the cross. You have the word. You are gaining direction from the Father. You need to be faithful in that. And you, you do that. And then you make disciples. Um, that's this principle of the Father. So let not your heart be troubled. Don't, don't scatter your heart off somewhere else. You're, you're de devoted to what God is wanting. And if there was any other thing, I would have taught that. But this is what I've taught all along. And this is, um, there are many places that the Father has that only you can fill. So you've got to be faithful there. You've got to stand in that gap. You've got to be patient there. You've got to abide there. Because if you don't abide there, there can't be any fruit. And so you've got to do that. But when you bear fruit, it's for the Father. And that's filling the house. This is just wonderful. So I'm so grateful on this Father's Day that in the Father's Church, um, this is basically, yes, we're saints. Yes, we're intercessors. Yes, we're sons. Yes, we're all these wonderful things, pneumaticos people. But in it all, the essence of it all is it's our Father who is in heaven, and it's his house, and we're so, so very grateful. So I speak an added measure of sonship into your life, and I, I pray that we'll continue to the best of our abilities to follow the way, the truth, and the life because he is with us. He goes before us. We're, we're serving with him. He's praying for us to fulfill the will of the Father. The Bible says that. And it's, it's a privilege. I, I ask that the Father, as was sung earlier, will help us to find that deeper place in him and that we would, that we would not miss the moments that are ahead, that our heart would be firmly established on behalf of what his spirit within us is leading us to, that our mind would submit to that, but that our heart, 
no matter what's coming, would not be troubled, and that we'll stay focused on our Father's business. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for this great privilege, and I ask you, you know how to give good gifts to your children. The great gift was Jesus, the greatest gift the understanding of sonship and the invitation of you as our Father to come to you. What a glorious gift. But we ask for another gift now that you truly would allow us to become exceptional at this that Jesus said was his objective for coming. Not just good, not just giving it a try, but exceptional. Release an anointing in this day, as Les said earlier, when fatherhood is unknown to a great portion of this nation, true fatherhood. We ask for that anointing that empowers the promise in Malachi of the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Let, let us be that group of people that will do our Father's will and have an anointing to lead other people into the knowledge of the Father through Jesus. We are apostolically called to the church to awaken this hidden, largely unknown, sung about, talked about, stated, but largely functionally unknown. Give us a greater anointing to break through and to see sons developed. Thank you for this, Lord. I ask for your blessing upon this congregation and all the congregations of the saints. I ask you, Father, that those who are in need of anything in this place, I ask you, Father, that you will provide whatever it is that our people need in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Father, as Jesus said just in the next chapters, written in red, just so we wouldn't miss it. Um, Lord, I, Father, I ask that you, in Jesus' name, would provide for your people, empower them, encourage them, heal them, bring measures of supply that are miraculous. And, and I ask for that, Father. And you said that if we would ask anything in your name, the Father would do it. And, and so I thank you for that, Father. But the greatest thing is to have this privilege of walking with you. So happy Father's Day, our Father. We love you, and we thank you for Jesus. We love our precious Lord. We thank you for the moving of your spirit, and we thank you for this great privilege. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. It's still somewhat early. Whatever your plans are for the day, may God bless them. And it's just been great to be here with you. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you soon.